This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County and Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb, Sycamore, and now we have expanded our range to Morris, Joliet area, and we have our station up there, 89.3. So we're covering now much more of northern Illinois, as well as much of central Illinois. We're going to have a great show for you today. Remember that we're brought to you by you, and any donations that you can make are always appreciated. If you would like to make a donation, you can go to our website, and that's catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. You can make a donation there. You'll find out more information about us as well. And uh, anything that you can give is always appreciated. Uh, you can also phone us if you would like to. And our area code is 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. I'm here with uh, my wife, Lynn, today. We're uh, just had All Saints Day last week uh, has been done. Thanksgiving is coming on pretty soon, and it won't be long until it's Christmas. So time is marching on, and pretty soon we'll actually be into a new year. And I'm going to talk a little bit today about inflation. And uh, it's a topic that is interesting and, of course, is much in the news today. What is it? What's it about? And one of the questions you might be asking is, is what does inflation have to do with Christianity? What does inflation have to do with the Catholic Church? And the answer is that it has a lot to do with it. And Christianity and the Catholic Church has had a lot to say about inflation for a very, very long time, a lot longer than most people probably realize. And some very interesting things as well. So we're going to read from an article uh, about that history uh, of the church and uh, its thoughts and its pronouncements on inflation. It's not something as new as people think it is. It's been around for a long, long time, and it's been understood throughout the ages for thousands of years. So this idea that you hear today that inflation is some kind of new invention or one party is giving a definition of it to other people that they have never had before is a lot of nonsense. It goes back a long, long way. And there are some very, very important and very, very grave things that the church has to say about inflation. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, again, as I said, I'm here with my wife, Lynn. So before we start, I'm going to give Lynn a chance to say anything that she wants to say. And then we'll get into the article. Oh, okay. I want to welcome the listeners in the Morris Joliet area. That's a beautiful area, and up along the river up there, and where the Desplaines comes in, and the Illinois River is formed right in that area. It's so beautiful. We grew up along the Illinois River. It's the one thing I mo- missed when we moved down to here to central, uh, more central Illinois, was the river. I mean, the river is here like ponds. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, it's. Uh, 
We spent a lot of time on the river, that's yes, for sure. Did. We did a lot of uh, water skiing and, uh, and boating and fishing and all of that all, all along the river. And it seems like in the summertime, it was a nice place to go. Whenever it was really hot, a lot of people, a lot of times back then when uh, we were younger, you didn't have air conditioning. And when it got hot and humid, it seemed like if you went down to the river, there was always a nice breeze down there, and it was a little bit cooler. Yes, it was. Big trees, sage. Anyway, we we're very happy and want to welcome you, all the listeners, to to our uh, Catholic Spirit Radio. We've been on the air for ten years now. It's really an accomplishment, and this is all because of the listeners who have supported the station. This was uh, the founder, Mother Angelica, said. You know, you got to. It, it's for you and it's by you. You are the ones. The listeners are the ones that support us. So welcome. Exactly, and uh, the fact is, is that the new station up in Morris, you know, is brought to you also by you. You helped us bring it into existence, and it couldn't be done without you people out there. You people, again, you always have to remember that that we are brought to you by you. <laughs> you are the people that bring us to you, and there would be no radio station and no spirit radio and no uh, uh, Catholic uh, emphasis if it weren't for you. So we, we right. appreciate it All the very people much. that are here at the station do volunteer. We volunteer all our time. Uh, nobody's paid for doing anything. Absolutely so, not. Mother Angelica said, put us between your gas and electric bill. Exactly. And uh, make sure that you keep us uh, in your prayers. And uh, hopefully we can expand even more as we're ex- expanding and bring uh, the traditional Catholic uh, uh, theology and idea to a larger and larger area of our state. So that's one of our goals, and that's what we work hard for. And, of course, again, it is you that, that causes us to be able to do it. Uh, I'm going to read this article from it and talk about inflation here. The article is in Touchstone Magazine, and it's a journal of mere Christianity, and it's a November-December 2022 issue. It's entitled, again, Theft by Inflation, The Sinful Manipulation of Weights and Measures by Dylan Palmen and Alexander William Salter. And uh, Dylan Palmen is a research fellow at the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. And Alexander William Salter is the Georgie G. Snyder Associate Professor of Economics in the Rawls College of Business of Texas Tech University, a research fellow at TTU's Free Market Institute, a senior fellow with the American Institute for Economic Research and Sound Money Project, and a senior contributor with Young Voters. So these are people who know what they are talking about. And you might again be asking, you know, what, a, what about inflation? Is this something that the church uh, has expounded on over time? And the answer to that, of course, is yes, it is. And it's been a very, very important topic uh, in the eyes of the church. And uh, it has been a topic for a long, long time. It goes even before the uh, time of the church. It goes back all the way to the Old Testament. 
And uh, there are a lot of admonishments about inflation in the Bible itself. And so it's something very, very important to Christians, and it's something that, that we as Christians should understand and know about. It's not something that just happens uh, in our, our modern times here. Uh, the article says, inflation plagues the U.S. economy. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the consumer price index rose 9.1 percent in June 2022 from a year prior, the sharpest increase in 40 years. This grim picture looks even worse when we focus on specific sectors. Food prices rose 10.1 percent and energy prices a whopping 34.6 percent over the year. The price of gasoline in June averaged more than three five dollars per gallon for the first time in some urban areas regular unleaded topped eight dollars per gallon that means filling up cars with normal sized tanks can cost a hundred dollars or more so there's no way to sugarcoat it american families are having their budgets squeezed wages are rising but significantly less than inflation the difficulties are particularly severe for households of limited means when the necessities of life get more expensive, families living on $50,000 a year are harmed more than families making $100,000 per year. So inflation is something that actually hurts the lowest, the poorest uh, people of our society more than anybody else. It's they who pay the price uh, in a greater sum than the rest of society when there is inflation. We know that too much money chasing too few goods causes inflation. In other words, inflation is bad monetary policy. It does not have anything to do with, be, with it being forced upon uh, somebody by another country. Uh, there was a terrible inflation uh, during and right after World War II in Germany. It certainly didn't affect us. In fact, the, the American, an American dime or a quarter or 50 cents in silver went a long, long way. German money got to the point where people simply quit using it. You had to get paid twice a day just to run out and spend the money as fast as you could. And at some point, it reaches a point where the money becomes worthless. We had that happen in our country also in the, the very early years, the start of our country. And if we have time, we'll read how sound money actually saved the revolution, the, the revolution, the American revolution was saved by a replacement of sound money with the uh, inflationary specie. We're going to have to stop here and take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church campus in Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in central and northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89.3 FM. Help spread the word.
Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking about inflation, and we're talking about inflation and uh, the Bible uh, going all the way back before the time of Christianity, all the way back to the Old Testament, and what it had to say. We're also talking about Christianity itself, and what does Christian theology have to say about inflation? You might be surprised that uh, this is the case that uh, the idea of inflation is very, very old. It goes back a long time, and the, both the Old Testament and the New Testament and Christian theology warn against it and talk about the dangers of inflation and talk about the fact that it's an injustice that has worked upon the people and that Christian people should not tolerate it and have the, and nothing to do with it. And uh, we're going to go ahead and expound on that just a little bit more. It says here, what does Christian theology say? Christian theologians have a long history of advocating for responsible monetary policy. I'll say that again. Christianity has a long history of advocating responsible monetary policy. So this is something that is important to Catholics and, uh, you know, Protestants as well. But the fact is, is that uh, Christianity takes this issue very, very seriously. It says, ancient Christian theologians... With regard to dogmatics, St. John Chrysostom uses the metaphor of authentic currency in his commentary on Galatians to emphasize the necessity of maintaining fully orthodox doctrine. He says, as he who but partially pairs away the image on a royal coin renders the whole spurious, so he who swerves ever so little from the pure faith soon proceeds from this to graver errors and becomes entirely corrupted. So Chrysostom here is saying that just as a, a king or the authorities of the state can actually scrape off uh, value from a coin as you know, it comes through their hands and render the coin uh, worth less money, and eventually, because of doing something like this, ruin the, ruin the uh uh, currency itself, uh, starting out with something little, just scrape, well, we'll just scrape a little bit of the gold off of each coin or a little bit of the silver off of each coin or whatever is being used for the coin, a little bit of the copper, copper off each coin. And, uh, of course, if there's millions and millions of coins, this amounts to quite a bit for the people who are in charge. And so eventually people lose faith in the money and it causes a lot of commercial problems and uh, it can even just collapse the currency and destroy commerce itself and it hurts the poor the most especially because they depend so much on cash itself. Uh, they often don't have the money to invest in other things that might stay ahead of inflation. So he is saying here, just at it, as it, little by little, a, a currency can be ruined by people stealing a little bit of the value of the coins, so too also can a religion and a faith be ruined by people who start swerving from it just a little bit. Oh, we'll just swerve a little bit here and a little bit there. But it adds up, and then over time, the whole faith becomes entirely corrupted, and people become disgusted and give up on it. And uh, so they're saying that just as uh, treating currency uh, wrongfully can have serious effects, 
so can just a little bit of heresy have serious effects and lead to a huge and very, very devastating heresy is what he is saying here. So they're taking the idea of inflation of the monetary as being akin to inflation in effect of the faith itself. And both are very, very serious things to do. And uh, John Chrysostom teaches uh, against this. And it goes on here. It says, uh, early modern theologians. Uh, so we're going to go a little bit forward here and see what people back in more around the Middle Ages and a little bit later had to say about inflation. It says here, early modern, modern theologians. In the early modern era, we see the beginnings of modern economic thought in the works of moral theologians from what is known as the School of Salamanca in Spain due to the influence of its teacher, Francisco de Vitoria, 1483 to 1546. Not everyone who is considered part of this school studied or taught there. It references a school of thought more than the specific location. For example, one of the school's exponents, the Spanish Jesuit Luis de Molina, 1535-1600, spent most of his career in Portugal. Molina further examines St. Augustine's point about the varying values of currencies among the kingdoms in a treatise on money, part of his larger work on justice and right. So you can see here this even goes back to St. Thomas Aquinas who talked about uh, the value of currencies being debased and people mismanaging the money and uh, talked about it as a sin. Molina sought to evaluate the moral status of currency exchange and in the process touched on the importance of a stable currency. Addressing the question of usury, he noted that if one were to lend money that would be devalued at the date of repayment due to an increase in the money supply, and there it is, an increase in the money supply, actually devaluing the money itself, then it would be licit and just for the lender to be compensated. In other words, if the lender lends out good money and someone in effect debases that money and the lender is to be paid back in money that is not worth as much as the money he lent, then he would be justified in charging an interest on that money in order to offset the loss that the debaser of that money is causing him to have. And uh, he refers here to usury. Back at that time, there were usury laws uh, controlling uh, the amount of interest that the the people could charge. And I do want to comment on usury here very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation about the church back in the Middle Ages having laws against usury. People think that the church simply outlawed charging interest on money at all. It didn't do that. The definition of usury was the charging of interest on money uh, where the person had no entitlement to do it. If you had an entitlement, you could charge interest. So how would that work? Well, for example, among friends, among Christians, there was supposed to be this idea of helping each other in goodwill and uh, not taking advantage of each other. So let's say that uh, a neighbor kept uh, uh, some wine in the cellar and he had, say, four or five or six or eight bottles of wine in the cellar or more. And uh, 
his neighbor came over and said uh, that he had some company coming and that at the time he was simply not able to purchase uh, some wine and it would be very embarrassing not to be able to uh, give the, the company some wine to drink at that dinner. And he, he wanted to borrow a bottle of wine. Then the neighbor being Christian and the person, his, you know, the person asking for the wine being Christian also, the church would say that it, the neighbor who lends him the bottle of wine would be entitled to re, be repaid back that bottle of wine, but he wouldn't be really entitled to charge his neighbor interest because the person having the wine was not selling that wine. He wasn't making any money on that wine. He was making no profit on it. It had nothing to do with his livelihood. The wine was just in his basement. He had some extra there. And as a good Christian, he should lend it to his neighbor. And his neighbor is a good Christian, of course, should pay it back exactly in full. And uh, But there shouldn't be any interest on it because to charge interest would be what they would call usury. In other words, the person lending the wine would not have any entitlement to charge interest. But on the other hand, let's say the person lending the wine was a wine merchant and that he had the wine in his shop. And let's say he made 50 cents a bottle on each wine that he, each bottle of wine that he sold. And that's how he fed his family, you know, by running that business. And so if he lends a bottle of wine to his neighbor, then that's one bottle of wine less he has to sell. And uh, it might be that he runs out of stock or whatever the case might be in the meantime before the neighbor pays the bottle of wine back. Then he is entitled to ask the neighbor to pay the bottle of wine back and pay him 50 cents in addition because that's the profit that he makes on that wine. That's his entitlement. He's entitled to it. So that would not be usury. So I just wanted to make that clear because so many people do not understand what the early church meant by usury. It meant the taking of interest without an entitlement to it. And uh, John Chrysostom here, or rather this, uh, this uh, economist, uh, Louis de Molina, is saying that if you borrow money from a lender and then you pay that lender back with money that's not worth as much, then the lender has a right to ask you for a little bit of extra money to offset the, his loss. So, in other words, he's saying, in effect, that you have to compensate for the inflation. Otherwise, the inflation is theft. And that's what we're talking about here. So, talking about a, using, you know, debasing money and then using it in a way that would hurt someone else, you know, and benefit you. And that's exactly what happens when the government is misusing money. If the government prints more money, that is, the people who are in charge, they spend that money first and get the full value of that money. And the people that get it secondarily after prices go up, they don't get the full value of that money. So in effect, they're being taken from. And the people that get hurt the most are the people at the lower end of the economic scale. That is, a person earning $50,000 a year gets hurt a lot worse by the debasement of money than a person earning $100,000 a year for a number of reasons. One, of course, is simply because the person has less and any, any theft from him hurts him more. But secondly, also a person who has more money can switch out of cash 
he doesn't have to be paying, you know, everything right up front. He can pay it in advance and so forth. And he can switch into other, invest his money in things that keep up with inflation, commodities and so forth that, that will go up in price and will hold their value against the inflation. And the person with less money is not as easily able to do that. And so the people at the lower end of the scale get hurt the worst by inflation. And uh, St. Augustine and others pointed out that this is a very grave sin. It goes on here, it says, if the king is the director, not the master of the private possessions of his subjects, he will not be able to take away arbitrarily any part of their possessions for this or any other reason or any ploy. Such seizure occurs whenever money is debased. For what is declared to be worth more, what, for what is declared to be more is worth less. In other words, it's a good way that the king, that is the government, can steal money from its citizens and sort of pull the wool over their eyes and pretend that they're not doing so by actually debasing the money so that the money that they, they spend is worth more than the money that the citizens have to spend. And so the citizens are taxed and don't realize that they're being taxed. And that's what inflation really is. It's a tax and it's a tax on the people that are least able to pay. And so the church has always held that that's a very grave sin because not only is it dishonest, it's dishonest in such a way that it's hurting the the people who need things the most and hurting them the poor the most. And if anything, Christianity should be helping the poor, not hindering the poor. It goes on here, it says, Thus, just like the scriptures cited above, Mariana concluded that the inflationary monetary policy is a form of theft. And on the basis of the nature of money, possessions, and just government, he concluded that such policy was an injustice, irrational, and harmfully contrary to reality, uh, based on the bulla, based on the uh, one of the pronouncements of Pope Leo X, he wonders. I do not know how those who do such things can avoid excommunication and censure. So even the Pope Leo X commented on this, saying that people who deliberately debase the money, who have the power to do this, and actually cause the money to be worthless to people who get the money secondarily is something that uh, he doesn't understand how they could do without being excommunicated from the church because they're taking advantage of the least of their subjects more than they are taking advantage of the people who could more afford it. So it's one of the worst things that Christians can do in a very grave sin. Uh, Thus he concurs with St. John Chrysostom, in this case literally and not just metaphorically, that those who do such things violate Christian orthodoxy and with St. John Cassian, that in doing so, they not only damage others, but they also do harm to their own souls. So the people in charge of debasing money, that is causing inflation by either shaving off money from uh, a money that is a commodity, such as gold or silver, or doing the same thing simply by printing more paper money, are not only harming the, pe- the people who least can bear that harm, but in doing so, they're harming their own souls, and it's a grave sin and uh, should be avoided. In fact, actually, as we pointed out, it could be a re- reason for excommunication and uh, maybe a reason for excommunication 
more than a lot of others because, again, the people that are being hurt are the people who can least uh, be able to take the consequences of such policy. Clearly, how money is governed has grave real-world consequences. But what does this imply for us today? That's the question we need to ask and uh, we'll be talking about. Modern monetary policy. Most wealthy nations use fiat money. Fiat money is money because the government declares it so. So, if you go to your regional Federal Reserve Bank and present an old crumpled $20 bill for redemption, you'll be handed back a new pristine $20 bill. An improvement, perhaps, but still, it's just paper. There's no underlying promise to redeem money for a specific amount or some other commodity. In other words, if the money is attached to a commodity such as gold, you can be more understanding on what's happening to you. In other words, if you compare a coin that's been shaved to a, you know, a coin that's uh, pristine in the way it should be, you can see right away that somebody's stealing from you. But when the government is using paper money, it's a lot easier to do and it's a lot easier to fool you. And it's a lot easier to do in the old sense. If you want to inflate the money, that is put more money into circulation, you have to actually get the commodity itself, which is costly to do. It's not easy to inflate. But with paper, (laughs) paper is a very, very uh, abundant commodity. And it's very, very easy to inflate. It's easy to print a lot more money when you have the printing presses and the proper ink and everything and so forth. And uh, so the people that control those presses and control the way the money is made uh, have a lot of uh, means of, in effect, stealing from the people that they're governing. Fiat money gives modern governments extraordinary power, but few responsibilities. There's no disciplining mechanism to keep the currency's value tied to a commodity or a group of commodities like gold, silver, and other precious metals. Most governments relegate money management to central banks, whose executives are supposed to be apolitical experts. Considering the ongoing inflationary crisis in the United States, which we should note began uh, months before, uh, inter- in other words, it began, the inflation here began months before international sanctions against Russia. In other words, the article here is saying it doesn't have anything to do with Russia. This idea of blaming it on Russia is simply scapegoating. We are entitled to suspect our central bankers haven't gotten their act together. In other words, they're not supposed to be doing this. But if they do do it, of course, they're doing it, you know, at the behest of the central government itself. They would not be acting this way on their own. So we're going to have to stop here and take a break, and we'll come back and finish the article. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at Catholic Spirit Radio. That's CatholicSpiritRadio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you, and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church campus in Normal. 
Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in central and northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89.3 FM. Help spread the word. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We've been talking about inflation, and we've been talking about what the uh, uh, Bible and the uh, ancients had to say about inflation before Christianity. We've been talking about the early Christianity itself and what it had to say about inflation. So we're understanding that the topic of inflation goes back a long, long time in history. It's not something new. It hasn't just been invented. People were aware of it long ago. And uh, the Bible itself warned against inflation and said that it was an injustice and that kings should be held to a strict standard of not doing it. And we have the history of the Catholic Church itself holding the idea that the debasing money and debasing the currency was a sin and very sinful and that it hurts the pe- the people least able to bear the burden the worst. It's an unfair tax, especially on the poorest of the, uh, the people in a society. And uh, the inflation isn't something that comes from another country such as Russia or that you can blame on anybody else. It's an increase in the money supply, in effect, in a debasement of the money itself. And uh, it not only hurts the people, but it hurts the whole state because it hurts commerce itself. It can cause, if it gets bad enough, inflation can actually cause uh, a uh, unemployment. Not that long ago in my mind, I guess it's a long ago in younger people's minds, but back in the 1980s, we had a tremendous inflation. And uh, back at that time, there was the Keynesian idea of economics. And the whole idea was is that uh, inflation stimulates the economy. And even though inflation can hurt people in a sense that uh, it debases their money and causes it to be worth less, nevertheless, it stimulates the economy. And so during inflation, there wouldn't be any unemployment. And But the fact is, is when inflation gets bad enough, it interferes so much with the ability to plan and uh, to order uh, and to do do work, uh, especially in the future, that is of taking orders and shipments and so forth that will be paid for uh, in the future and will be sold in the future. It gets extremely hard to plan. And because of that, it, it uh, causes business, wild swings in business. And eventually it causes a breakdown in business and commerce itself. And in turn, of course, that causes unemployment. And that's exactly what happened back in the 1980s. And uh, there, we had an inflation and it's very difficult to stop inflation because it hurts when you stop it. Uh, when when uh, you have to stabilize the supply of money, it causes everybody, in effect, to be have less to spend, and uh, prices are still high. They don't come down for a long time, and every, it, it, it hurts, and it takes quite a while to end inflation. Once it's started, it's not an easy thing to control, and it hurts people, especially the poor the most, and that's why the church has always said that it's a sinful thing to do and that uh, 
the state has a responsibility to keep its currency valuable and stable. So this is what we're talking about. It goes on here. It says, uh, ancient governments had an obligation to maintain the integrity of their money. If a king chose to mint gold-based coins, that king had a corresponding duty to maintain their weight and purity. In the case of Israel, that duty was mandated by the law of God. In Christian Rome and Byzantium, the emperor St. Constantine the Great minted a coin called the Solidus that maintained a stable value for seven centuries. Now, we haven't had any, accomplishment. any kind of stability that long at all. In fact, we'd be lucky if we have stability of our money for seven years. I mean, the fact is, is that back in the 1980s and, and 90s, we had a tremendous inflation and it was stopped and it hurt the economy very much. There was what they called stagflation. Not only was there inflation, there was unemployment at the same time, which, of course, Keynesian econ- economics said that couldn't happen. But it does happen because inflation eventually causes so much problems with commerce itself that the problems in commerce cause unemployment. And that's what happened. And uh, so this idea that uh, uh, you can't, that inflation is uh, not going to cause un- unemployment simply was wrong. And we know better now, and yet we're doing the very same thing. It says, uh, in the case of nations outside the influence of the scriptures, debasing money would still be a violation of natural law, as Mariana pointed out. It would be a sin for the king to decrease the gold content of content of coins, forcing subjects to trade on face value instead of the underlying commodity value. This is clearly theft, just as the Bible and Christian tradition claim it to be. That is, in other words, you're paying for something in valuable coins, and then somebody's taking those coins, debasing them and giving them back to you, paying you back, in effect, in money that is worth less than what you paid. And so, you know, you're, you're, getting, you're, you're being stolen from. You're buying less goods for the same amount of money. In other words, you gave it to somebody else, and they were able to buy the full value of the goods, and now you're getting the money back and not being able to buy the full value uh, of the goods that it's your turn to buy. So this is clearly theft, just as the Bible and tradition claim it to be. And when we say tradition here, we're talking about Catholic tradition that's been handed on that this is a sin and uh, it shouldn't be done. But the situation confronting modern governments is trickier. First, citizens can choose how they save. There's no requirement for private individuals to store their wealth in paper dollars or to make exchanges in dollars. We could all start transacting in gold or Bitcoin if we wish. But the problem with all of those things is, is that it causes a lot of chaos. And uh, the fact is, is when you debase the money that everybody is used to dealing with and that money collapses and you have to go to other money, it causes a tremendous disruption in society. It can cause unemployment. It can interfere with people's business and their their stability, their mental uh, peace of mind and everything else. And so it's not an easy thing to do to switch from one currency to another. The government has a responsibility to care for the poor. The governments have a responsibility to take care of their citizens. And debasing the money is certainly a violation of that responsibility. Goes on here, it says, inflationary monetary policy, wherein even during good years, the dollar loses a little bit of its purchasing power, disproportionately burdens the least among us. 
middle and upper class individuals don't have a hard time coping with inflation. In other words, if you have enough money, you can switch into assets that go up with inflation. But if you don't have that kind of money and you're living on whatever you're earning, you know, from day to day and paycheck to paycheck, you don't have the option of doing that. Along with most prices, wages and financial assets go up when inflation rises. The problem is for those who store their wealth primarily in cash. And that is people who, in effect, need the money that they earn to live on right presently. They can't store it for the future and they can't switch it into something else and then get it back later. Since cash earns no rate of return, savings for this group lose their value whenever inflation eats away at the dollar. Imagine someone, we'll call him John, working hard at the best job he can get, only to watch the fruits of his labor erode by 8% per year. So John has been working at Home Depot for the last 10 years, trying to support his wife and two kids. Hamstrung by debt, uh, And by the rising rent for their suburban apartment, John is worried that he and his wife Mary will have to downsize from their already cramped flat or move their family into a failing school district. Home Depot gave him a decent raise last year in the midst of labor market shortages, but somehow it feels as if he's taken a pay cut. Because in fact, due to inflation, he has taken a pay cut. So John and Mary keep having to dip into the little savings they have the value of which inflation has also reduced through no fault of their own. In other words, John, let's say he gets a 5% increase in pay, but inflation suddenly goes up to, from five, more than 5% to 8%. He's just lost a 3% uh, you know, in, of his income, so he's taken a pay cut, and he's taken it through inflation because his money is no longer worth as much as it was when he got that raise. And so he's, he's actually being stolen from, and there's nothing he can do about it because he needs all of his money right up front. He hasn't gotten to the point where he has enough saved up in order to switch into some other commodity. He could switch into, say, his own home, and a home would go up in value. Or he could switch into some kind of an investment that would go up in value. But he hasn't reached that point yet. And because of inflation, he may not ever be able to reach it if it, if it keeps on going the way it's going. So he is especially being hurt. Other people are being hurt, too, even people who switch into other commodities. You can't always be sure that those commodities will always go up in the same rate uh, that you expect against inflation. So it causes a lot of anxiety and worry for everybody, even though it hurts the poor the worst. It goes on here. It says, economists bear much of the blame for our current inflationary mess. Gone are the days, if there ever was a time, when policymakers followed the advice of Milton Friedman, who warned, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output. In other words, money is increasing more rapidly than the output of goods and services. While some economists still affirm his sound advice today, many others usually of an interventionist bent, has spent decades advising governments on the desirability of inflation. Just a little bit to grease the wheels of commerce and things will go fine, they say. This idea that, well, we should, Keynes said that we should have about a 2% inflation rate. It greases the skids and it causes more investment than there otherwise would be. And it actually helps the economy as long as it's not too much. The point is, is that doesn't work. Eventually, that gets out of hand 
Because if you increase something by 2% every year, let's say, people catch on to that after a while. And they begin to plan. In other words, if I know that something is going to go up by 2% in the next year, and I'm going to buy or sell something in the future, I'm going to take that 2% into consideration. If I'm selling, I'm going to charge 2% more. If I'm going to sell something that's going to be sold, say, on down the line, because I know that I'm going to lose 2% otherwise. Other people start doing the same thing, and then in order for that 2% inflation to work, it has to go up. So it has to become 3% for it to grease the skids. But then when people catch up with that by understanding that now it's gone to 3%, they'll start charging more in the same way. And pretty soon you got to inflate to 4% and then it gets faster and faster and eventually it gets out of hand. And that's what happens. Uh, <clears throat> this is one of the most persistent myths in economics. We don't need inflation to make markets work. The wealth and poverty of nations is, de- is determined by productivity. How good workers are turning how good workers are, rather, at turning inputs and into outputs. In other words, by taking our resources that we have at hand and uh, finding new and better ways to use those resources and turning those resources into valuable commodities. And that is actually is what wealth is. Wealth is actually things. It's food and it's services and it's, you know, th- things along those lines. Wealth is not money. Money is just the marker that measures the wealth. And when you debase the money, you make it very, very difficult to do commerce and to manage the wealth. So in the long run, productivity has nothing to do with money, and you don't need to inflate to have good productivity. The skill of our labor force doesn't depend on how many green pieces of paper that we have. In the short run, monetary disturbances can throw a wrench in the economy's gears. But these disturbances are much more likely to be caused by bad public policy than they are prevented by it. Wall Street will do just fine. It's the people of Main Street, like John and Mary, who are left carrying the can. Yet some people are able, the people who get the money first or the people on Wall Street who are actually have enough money to invest and can stay ahead of inflation, they come out all right. And in our own time, a lot of times if they don't come all right, the government bails them out. You know, we have these ideas somehow or another, they're too big to fail. And so we have to bail Chrysler them out. Chrysler a few right. years ago, Chrysler Corporation. Well, Chrysler, I think, though, they borrowed the money. And I think they paid it back. Yeah, they did. That was back But then. that would be an example. But in some cases, back in 2008, for example, when all of these big companies went bankrupt, they were bailed out by the government. In other words, because they were so-called too big to fail. But the little guy that got hit pretty hard and lost his savings and so forth, he didn't get bailed out by anybody. So, in the United States, Federal Reserve policy would not pass the test of the refiner's fire. Referring back here to this idea of, uh, you know, Christ purging us of our sins. And uh, John Chrysostom was talking about the same thing, uh, gold and so forth, being purged of uh it's uh, flaws and dross and so forth to be made into pure money. He was sort of comparing the two. Nor would the dollar, for that matter. The cost of money mischief disproportionately falls on those who have the hardest time bearing them. This is a major social injustice, and the church has thought for centuries that this is wrong and it's a sin. 
And we should actually understand that more. And perhaps the church should talk more about it today. Inflation is not something new. It's not something the church doesn't know anything about. It's not something that the ancients didn't know anything about. And the uh, Old Testament talked a lot about it and talked and it warned that people in charge have a grave responsibility. St. James warned the rich men who deprived workers of their wages that they were under the Lord's judgment. Likewise, those who mismanage the nation's money should beware they do not cite abstract reasons of state as an excuse to ignore God's command to remember the poor and maintain a stable currency and refrain from theft. And so often that's the case. Oh, well, we have to do this because it's necessary for this reason or that reason. Especially we have to uh, inflate a little bit in order to help commerce. There are all kinds of excuses. And the fact is, is that St. James warned against it. And warned against the state making up all kinds of excuses to inflate the money and hurt the poorest of the people who have to deal with that money. Such policymakers may be well-intentioned, but their intentions won't help those squeezed by rising prices for food, energy, clothing, and shelter. There is one final biblical teaching about currency we should mention, though, and Jesus' teaching is clear. We ought to render all our lives to him. Yes, even the dry and technical practice of monetary policy it relates to Jesus and it relates to Christianity. It relates to it for the sake of his image, borne by ourselves and our neighbors, the least of these, most of all. As Chrysostom puts it, he who but partially pairs away the image on a royal coin renders the whole spurious. This includes how and why we manage the dollar. Christians' love demands nothing less. So we're going to stop here and uh, say our prayer. I hope you found this interesting, and the fact is is that Christianity has much to say about the matter of inflation. We should all take it very seriously. St. Michael, the archangel, archangel, defend us in battle. battle. Be our our protection protection against against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May May God God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And and do do thou, Prince Prince of the the Heavenly Host, by the power power of God, God, thrust into hell hell, Satan and all all evil spirits spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio 